0: Hey guys, it's me and I'm back with a mini-sode of My Best Vintage Life. So this is the first in a series of fashion designer discussions I'll be having with myself. (laughs) Just kidding, with you. Um, So I decided that I wanted to do something in between my normal episodes, something small. I don't know if this will necessarily end up being a super small episode or not. I'm going to try to keep it short. Um but just to kind of further everybody's fashion education. So basically I'll be going through the alphabet A through Z and talking about designers that historically are important and trying to pick ones that are maybe a little less well-known. Now I'm not saying today's designer or any future ones aren't well-known at all. However, I don't think he's as well-known as some of the the big, big names in the fashion community. So I want to try to stick to something that people might not know as much about. That way, maybe we're all going to learn something new. So today's designer focus is on Azadine Elia. So Azadine Elia was born in 1935. So he was born um, early 1900s. Well, I guess you want to say the first half of the 1900s in uh, Tunisia. And his parents were wheat farmers. So I think one of the reasons why I really like him is because he comes from humble beginnings. And I think that I, – I don't know. I appreciate that and just about anybody who wasn't born with like a silver spoon in their mouth. And if you were, that's great. But I think if you had to work really hard for what you have – um, I'm just like more likely to relate to you because I obviously I've talked about it I don't come from money at all and I've worked hard to get to where I am So I tend to relate more to people like Azadine who come from humble beginnings So he attended um, and I'm not going to say the French, French pronunciation of this um, But he attended the School of Fine Arts in uh, Tunis which is the capital of Tunisia and uh, he studied sculpture there so he actually did not study fashion but from studying sculpture he learned a lot about the human form and when you think about sculpture that you see um, I'll just use museums as an example frequently you see a lot of the human body specifically uh, you know women's bodies and women's curves and I think that really, um, you know, went hand in hand with what he eventually did in in the fashion community. So, just a fun fact there, he did study sculpture at art school. He did not study fashion. And then after grad school, he worked as a, a dressmaker in Tunisia. And then he moved to Paris in 1957 to finally work in the fashion industry. And I think something that's worth noting that I think is really sweet is he had um, a twin sister, and I think that she kind of helped him, you know, explore his want to work in the fashion industry. So he had someone there that was supportive. And I I don't know, like, I don't know him personally, but from what I read, it seems like um, she was a very important person in his life, which usually is the case with um, twins, if you know any twins. I do personally. They are pretty well connected, so just worth mentioning there. Um, Once he arrived in Paris, he very, very briefly worked for Dior, also Guy Laroche, and Thierry Mugler. So those are the different houses that he worked for. Um, And then he eventually started his own ready-to-wear line in 1980. So the 80s were, from what I've read, a very uh, special time for him. And I think one of the important things to point out, probably the most important thing to point out, is that nobody really knew the female figure like Aliyah. He invented the bodycon dress. So nowadays we have people wearing bodycon dresses. Um, His were sexy but not slutty. I think, like, today the bodycon dress has gone ultra slutty. Like, I feel like I don't see a picture of people in Las Vegas without – like a bunch of girls at a bachelorette party and there's like at least three people wearing like a bandage bodycon dress. I'm not really talking about that. I'm talking more of like a true fashion piece. So he was the one who created that. Before him, you had a lot of designers and a lot of moments in pop culture where people were wearing really baggy, loose clothing, which there's nothing wrong with that either, Um, more of a masculine feel where he really amped up the sexiness and the femininity um, of the time. So one thing that I also really like about him is that he never showed – so his fashion shows were never on time with the normal fashion week schedule. He would usually show months after on his own time and I, I really appreciate that about him. I think with any project in life that's worth doing, I don't think it should be rushed. And if it's really truly your passion, you'll know when the time is right to show it. Where I feel like nowadays designers, you know, they put out all these different shows and the turnaround time is so fast. They They finish one and then they're immediately working on the next one and he wasn't like that. So I really appreciate that about him. And I think he gained a lot of people's respect uh, for that. And also, I think probably gave them something to look forward to at a time of year when you normally wouldn't expect to see a uh, fashion show. So in um, 1992, he kind of disappeared. Um, His twin sister passed away. And I think that probably had a pretty heavy effect on him. And he didn't really do any big mainstream shows until um, 2011, which was kind of a surprise. And it was really well-reviewed, and I think people were happy to see him back in the public eye again. Um, Like I said, he's just – he's gained – had gained um, a lot of people's respect, and I think that's worth noting. You know, one of the things about people who – kind of grew up in the time of couture there aren't really people like them today they don't there aren't people that exist that do you know the cutting of patterns the sewing sewing of samples um, doing fittings he was very hands-on in that sense and he really appreciated the people that worked with him to help him gain his success he was super meticulous he sometimes for the most part didn't sleep for more than two hours a night, which I do not recommend. That's not healthy. Um, But, you know, that's kind of – I feel like that kind of is an artist thing, you know, people that just stay up all night painting or sculpting because it's their passion and it's what drives them. So that's just how he was. And the one thing that, like, reading it made me super emotional was that he actually never took um, a post-show bow – and I'm gonna read a quote now from him. He said, "To get applause just for myself is too disrespectful to the many other people helping me." And um, I feel like in in the fashion world, you know, there's so many people with big egos, and um, they they forget about everybody that is helping them, and they could never do it on their own. And I love that about him—the fact that he was so humble to not do that because he appreciated everybody that was helping him. So kudos to him for that. I think that that's a really, really nice gesture on his part. I think that once he, you know, developed this huge fan base, people were slowly realizing that, um, his His clothing would last forever. They'd be these everlasting pieces that you would pass down to your daughter or your niece or your sister. Um, and you know, that's kind of like how he gained his notoriety. It was more of like a word of mouth um, participation from his his clients and from his fans. He didn't do advertising. He didn't do marketing. He didn't want a part of any of that, so I think really his clothing, the quality of his clothing, the craftsmanship spoke for itself, and that's really what built his name. Um, and you know, in terms of supermodels, people think how Gianni Versace was responsible for creating like the super of of the 90s, but really it was like his mid 80s shows, Elias shows, where um, you started seeing all these super famous models. And back then, models were very voluptuous. One of the most important models that he's connected to is Naomi Campbell. I mean, she called him Papa. He was like a father figure to her. He took her under his wing and helped take care of her because I'm sure, you know, I think she was discovered when she was like 16. I think they met when she was 16. And you're that beautiful and striking. I'm sure people could very easily take advantage of you. And I think he helped her kind of navigate her way through that world at such a young age and um you know there were models that if they had another job they would cancel it to be in his show or they wouldn't schedule and they'd be in his show and I think one of the main reasons why was because his clothing clung to them and you know they beautiful bodies Uh, very, like I said, voluptuous, hourglass figures. So they were a walking billboard for him, but his clothes made them a walking billboard for themselves. Like, look how sexy I look. Now X, Y, and Z person should book me in their show because of how I look. Um, And unfortunately, that's how the modeling industry is. It's very shallow. Uh, But I think he probably provided more for them than most designers a shoulder to lean on somebody to talk to I don't know much about his level of English or how much English he spoke um, but I'm sure many people communicated with him in French if they were able to so I just I really appreciate that about him the the human element um, versus just kind of like looking at these models like they are I don't know pieces of flesh that are that are sexy. And I'm sure there's plenty of fashion designers that have taken advantage of models in really bad ways. So I think that he was a really positive figure, I'm sure, in uh, in most of their lives. And, you know, his legacy transcended into pop culture. If anybody's watched the movie Clueless, um, there's that famous line when Alicia Silverstone, a uh, being held at gunpoint you know she says but this isn't a an liar and I think that was kind of like a pivotal moment like okay he's made it you know he might not market he might not do ads but here he is in this movie and it, you know Clueless is still a cult classic today Clu- I, mean, I mean it was a huge part of my life I used to watch the, um, the series that was on like ABC at night uh, which I loved and then the movie as well so ABC. oh <laughs> picks, watch elsewhere. do you hear s- siri Hobbs and Shaw. John Wick. oh my Chapter god three. does anybody Carabellum. else's Ready or not the Lion King. oh my god i'm sorry does do anybody else's phone do this movies. no <laughs> <laughs> sorry siri i don't know she must have thought i said siri but anyways just talking about clueless love the show love the movie love that alaya became a part of that and became a part of pop culture forever so that's really all I have about him. If there's anything you want to add or any questions you have, please do let me know. I did most of my research through both Wikipedia and Harper's Bazaar just to give them some credit for the um the research that I did. And sadly, um and passed away on November 18th, 2017 in in Paris. So, he is no longer with us, but his legacy definitely will live on forever I think and um just to kind of celebrate him I'm going to be posting some pictures of some of his fashion shows and pictures of him um he's pretty he's pretty sweet he's he's adorable he's very tiny compared to the models he worked with so I think there's a lot of pictures of him um next to very tall models and it just always makes me laugh because there's such a large size difference but he may have been a small man he obviously um had a very big heart and a big mind to create what he did for himself. So that's all I have on Azadine Alaya. In the meantime, guys, stay safe. Don't be basic. Have a great Labor Day. Bye!